welcome to the Fulfillment Project. I'm your host, Sarah Fennell, international fitness model and former IFBB Pro figure athlete, turned personal development sponge, entrepreneur, and online marketing junkie. I want to have it all in life, and I am not afraid to admit it. This show is for high-performing, high-vibing humans who are ready to take action, step through their fears, and up-level their life and business. Join me as we take one more step closer to that today. All right, welcome back to The Fulfillment Project. I am your host, Sarah, and I have a very special guest with me here today. We have Lisa Simone Richards, who is a PR and visibility strategist for fitness business owners, and she has been doing this for over 10 years. I'm really excited to dive in this conversation because the media is something that I actually went to in order to grow my fitness business, Um, and Lisa and I met a few weeks ago, and we've been chatting back and forth and totally hit it off, so I'm super excited to welcome Lisa to the show. Hello. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for having me on. It is always so cool when I get an opportunity to be on podcasts that I actually listen to. So I'm really stoked for our conversation today. Yeah, it's so funny. So those of you guys listening here, Lisa and I met, uh, it was about, it was mid-September. We both showed up at a networking dinner that John Goodman put together and she walked into the room and she was like, oh my God, I just started following you on Instagram and I think I just found your podcast. <laughs> okay. I, did I tell you this at the event last weekend, but how I like practically manifested you guys? You're so funny. No, no. Tell me this. Okay. So this is funny because you haven't heard this before. Um, so I was going through something on Instagram online. I'm not sure, but I was definitely on my phone and I saw your site and I was like, those guys look really cool and I'd love to be able to collaborate with them one day. So I did a screen grab of your contact us page. And then it was just a few weeks later that John hosted the dinner and I just come from eating the most amazing Thai food. I was so full and I was so tired. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I feel like this, but I'm so glad that I went because there you guys were, there was a chair beside you. I know we both share a little bit of the woo. So that was really cool that I like manifested my desire to connect with you. I love it. I love it. You know, the universe will align. It will bring into you exactly what you need. I mean, you came and spoke at our mentorship event. You're going to be speaking at our summit in April. So I love when I can meet awesome people and just connect with them. And I really think that building partnerships and relationships when you're building a business is so, so, so important. It really is. Whether that's with your clients, with, um, colleagues with people you want to work with one day, honestly, relationships are everything. Like when I think about it in PR, I think about the people who have to spend time to actually write a pitch. Meanwhile, I'm just like, send a text message and there we go. So the power of relationships is so key. Yeah, absolutely. And even like speaking about our our summit here, I, we announced this morning and I had someone reach out. They're like, if you're looking for speakers, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, the speakers are solidified. You're going to have to get in the lineup behind all my friends and and people that I know and people that I've actually built a relationship with. So relationships are everything in business. Okay, Lisa, I'm excited to dive into this. Before we get into, you know, your story a little bit and what you do, what exactly is a PR and visibility strategist? Okay, cool. So let me start off by explaining there are essentially three types of media. So there is owned media. So that's your Facebook, your YouTube, your Instagram. Those are content channels that you own the content. You decide when to put it up there. There is paid media. So that's when you're buying an ad on Facebook ads or Google AdWords. And the third type of media is earned media. So this is when you actually become the content in a magazine or the person being interviewed on the news or the person being featured on a television show. So I'm a big fan of showing my clients how to do PR and visibility through earned media, specifically because 
number one, you more 99% of the time you're actually not paying for it, getting in front of the same audience. And number two, you're getting endorsed. So with paid media and social media, anybody can do it. Everybody can do it and they should be doing it, but not just everybody gets earned media that makes you really special and helps you have that as seen on logo on your website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think everybody is looking for that boost in their credibility, right? It's such a saturated market right now that our clients have options. That's the honest truth. So when they're Googling us, we want them to be able to see where we've been featured as an expert, as an authority. We also want them to be able to log onto our website and know within a second and have that little switch in their mind that like, oh, they've been featured here, here, and here. Well, then obviously they must be an authority. Like if Oprah puts her stamp on anything or Ellen, do people question it? Nope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let, we'll dive into, you know, some, some value for the audience and how they can get started with everything. But how did you get into all this? Because you've been doing this for over 10 years now. And I believe you, you used to actually be a a personal trainer, which I think is so cool because you know what it's like to be in the trenches. Yeah, I did. Okay. So funny story. Um, I decided I always knew I wanted to do something in the media ever since I was a kid, but I didn't want to be on the actual media production end. So long story short, Sex in the City looks pretty awesome. Samantha Jones was cool doing her PR thing. I'm like, I'd love to learn more about that. Um, so I thought I'd end up in automotive. My dream was to work for Daimler Chrysler and work with brands like Mercedes and Jeep. Um, I ended up going the complete opposite way and working fashion and beauty. And then I started working in a PR agency, but the challenge with that is they told us who our clients were. I remember one day I was assigned the most disgusting food client that I would never in a million years eat, but now it's my job to promote it. So while I was working there, um, Canada's lar- or what was growing to become Canada's largest women's only boot camp, I was doing the workouts with my girlfriend. We were having so much fun. We were getting results. We loved it. And they were hiring from within their own network for a PR coordinator. They didn't know what to pay a PR coordinator. They offered me double the salary that I was making at the agency. So I was like, absolutely, Bonus. I'm in. <laughs> so yeah, so I was there for four years. We grew to Canada's largest women's only boot camp. We were making millions of media impressions a year. We 10 x our revenues, tripled locations. Um, That was really awesome. And then I decided to stay in fitness from there. So I worked with some large international mind-body companies. And then I had a PR agency for a little while, but I've since gone and betrayed publicists everywhere by creating a coaching business where now I can just teach people how to be their own publicists. Mm, That's amazing. So obviously we're all talking about marketing here and marketing is totally my jam. What do you see lacking with fitness professionals when it comes to their marketing angles? What I think I see lacking is having a really strong stand. Um, I think a lot of us, myself included, we want to be liked. Um, And that leads to people sounding vanilla and not taking a stance for something. And for you to get featured, for you to get highlighted, for you to stand out, you want to... You want to be sorry. We have some cats fighting in the background for the noise for the listeners. Um, So what you want to do is have a really strong stand for something that attracts people to you. I always remember someone said it best that if you're vanilla, then people don't necessarily know whether or not they like you. You'd rather stand out and be pistachio. So having a clear stance on something not sounding vanilla is really going to serve people well, not only for getting publicity features, but also for attracting the right people to you. Um, I always think of the example of Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump. When I say those names, someone has an immediate reaction to them, like them, love them, hate them, whichever it is. You're not just wishy-washy on the issue. So I love to see people really take a stand for what they see for the clients and the people that they work with. So that way they can attract the right people and repel the wrong ones. 
Mm -hmm. And I think that's so key. And I think this is where a lot of people have issues because in order to take a stance on something, you need to say, I don't agree with this. And when we become polarizing, this is when we open up for uh, uh, people criticizing us. And ultimately, like what you said there, we all want to be liked. So yeah, taking a stance, and especially like when it comes to the health and fitness industry, there are so many, you know, is it low carb? Is it keto? Is it carb cycling? Is it vegan? You know, training, look at all the different training modalities and you need to pick one stream that you believe in. And that actually will polarize more people to you than saying I'm everything for everybody. Absolutely. And I think something that also scares people is like, well, what if my views evolve and change? That's okay. We're allowed to grow. No one said we have to be the same forever. So I can look back at things that maybe I believed in a few years ago that I've since changed my view on. So I think people feel really locked into once I present this to the world, this is how I have to be forever. No, put it on like a hat. Okay. I don't mean it as flippantly as put it on like a hat, but stand for something. And if your view changes down like two, three years down the line, that's okay. People evolve. Yeah. 100%. Even in my fitness business, I started, I, would, I did massive body transformations for women and that's when I was in my competing days. So it was, you know, if you wanted to get in the best shape of your life in three to four months, I did that when I stopped competing and I stopped, you know, believing in the extreme world, my views changed, my avatar changed. And, you know, obviously that does take a little bit of a hit in a business in order to change that branding and that messaging. But if you don't believe in something, then no one will ever actually believe in you. Absolutely. You have to be enrolled in it before you can enroll anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the first step for someone if they've decided, okay, I want to go for some earned media. I want to maybe get into a magazine or I want to get onto television. What is the first step that someone needs to take? Okay. So the first step that I would suggest for someone is to be really clear on where is your ideal client getting their information from, because maybe you as a fitness professional love magazines like strong or inside fitness. Um, but really your ideal client might be reading something like a little softer, like shape and self, or if you're working with parents, maybe they're reading today's parents and Canadian family. Um, are they listening to podcasts? So it's really important first to really understand where your ideal client is hanging out. So in order to do that, the easiest thing to do is ask, what websites are you logging on to? What papers are you reading? What shows are you watching? Just understand what their habits are, because then you can actually show up in the places that they're consuming content. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to reaching out and getting content in, do you recommend that people pitch an actual idea, actual value that they would bring to the, the media source? So everybody has different ways of collecting their stories. Some some media you might want to pitch a story idea to, that's something you'd love to see covered in an issue. Some places want you to send an article that's already been written. Um, I'd say the majority of the time they're looking for a pitch, so an email suggesting an idea. Mm -hmm. This is really interesting because I remember back in, we're going back to like 2010 now when I was really coming up in the fitness world, you know, people like you didn't exist and, you know, I had no idea how to even to get into magazines. So it was actually working with the photographers to get me in the magazine, but, you know, paying thousands of dollars just for one shoot in hopes that maybe I would get into a magazine and, you know, some of it did pay off and some of it didn't. So I think it's great that because you, you formed relationship with these editors and with these sources, right? 
Yeah, it's actually part of the reasons I part of the reason I decided to stay in fitness PR specifically. I remember when I was leaving the boot camp company and going into the mind body one, I was like, oh, do I do another fitness company? Because once I do that, I'm pretty much locked into this industry. But it's also a matter of there are really like five or six key people across all of Canada that I need to know. And they're my ins for so many things. So I figured I may as well just own this section of the market rather than, you know, fitness, sometimes lifestyle, others. I just want to own it. Yeah. Well, it's like what you were talking about there with understanding your target market, right? And I think that's been even been able to help you scale your business the more narrow you've gotten. Definitely. I remember talking to my business coach once once, and she was like, you know, why don't you do PR for entrepreneurs or small businesses? And I'm like, you know what? I've been a personal trainer. I know what it's like to want to scale my boot camp. I've had so much experience in that. Like, even if I could work with every personal trainer in the world, my business more than I, I don't want to say I couldn't handle that because I'm sure I could figure out a way to make it work. Um, but my business would explode. So I figured, yeah, let, let's niche down into an industry that I really understand. And I wanted to be in a business where I could, um, really empathize with people and not necessarily preach with no understanding of what a personal trainer or a fitness business owner is going through. Mm -hmm. And it also allows you to stay in alignment with what you believe in. Cause like what you're saying earlier there, if you're trying to market and pitch something that goes against your beliefs or what, what type of food company was it that you were talking about? There? Oh my gosh. It was long gross sandwiches. Let that be a hit. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So I, when you came in to speak to our uh, mentorship company, you were talking about the boot camp. What was that? The booty? It's, it was called Booty Camp Fitness. Booty Camp Fitness. Was that the first one that you were talking about that you worked with? Yes. Yeah, I was there for four years. So uh, during the time there, we grew to Canada's largest women's only boot camp. Mm -hmm. So let's let's take the listeners through that. What was the process of doing that for her? And what were those results that came from that media exposure? Yeah, for sure. So the owner at the time, she had a few locations across Toronto. The company was actually really doing pretty well, but she had this vision of helping 1 million women and she really wanted to scale even larger. So we worked together for about four years. And what we did was consistently come up with new angles that would make us media worthy because this was around, you know, what I call the heyday of boot camps that were up in every corner, up in every park. And we didn't just want to be another boot camp; We wanted to be the boot camp. So we would look at the business from different angles to see where could we get featured. Um, maybe there was a bridal boot camp story that happened in June. Um, I know we'd be at some workshops and CP24 filmed us for a morning segment. We also looked at, okay, New Year's is coming up. Everyone's going to be talking about joining a gym. Let's flip that story on its head and pitch a segment on why you should break up with your gym for New Year's. So we'd always figure out what are different ways we can get featured. We even um, actually growing the company helped us win a number of awards. So we started getting featured as an award-winning business, profiling her as an entrepreneur. So long story short, what that created over four years, and this is all public information, it's Googleable because of the awards, um, the company grew from about 30 locations to more than 100 across Canada, which made it Canada's largest women's only boot camp. And our revenues also scaled from about 400,000 a year, which I mean, that's pretty good and awesome, mm -hmm. but it actually 10x up to 4 million a year. And this is all through getting featured in front of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, you know, I think our media impressions were around 2 million a year. So she did theoretically achieve her dream of impacting that number of women, whether or not we worked with them directly. But this was a way for us to get in front of a huge audience without paying for it. Because imagine what that would cost in Facebook ads. 
Yeah. If one lead is about $4, I can only imagine what growing from 30 to 100 locations would have cost us in an ad spend. Um, and it also made her the featured expert. Um, I remember after I'd left the company, so this is something she'd done on her own, but I saw her featured as a recurring fitness expert on one of Canada's largest daytime TV shows. Mm. So once you build that expertise, it's amazing that you don't necessarily need to keep pitching for it anymore. Once you become the established expert, not only are your programs naturally filling up because people are attracted to you, but other media want to bring you on as well. And it becomes reactive as opposed to proactive. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so important. So many people wait to almost be acknowledged or they wait to quote unquote, think that they've made it when in reality, you have to be the one who's strategic about what your audience sees and how you position yourself and who you're aligning with. And I definitely did that in my business because if you sit back and just wait for people to find you, it will never, ever, ever happen. And I love totally. and yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but I'd love to share one thing before I forget Please. it. Um, I always love to say, because it's true, media don't necessarily work with the best. They work with the fastest and the easiest. So when you show up in a way that's contributing value, it makes our turnaround time super quick like we used to. We weren't sitting back. And if someone did approach us, we had the high-res images to them. We had the video to them right away. So we made it a really easy experience for them, which is why we were able to get recurring features. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love what you're saying there, the difference between um, paid media, owned media and earned media. Is that the three? Yeah. Yeah. And how, I mean, with owned media, you know, social media and your content streams, it's not that hard to even blow up an Instagram account nowadays. I mean, you look at, you got young 20 year olds with hundreds of thousands of followers. Anyone, can put their dollars into ad spend. But when you have the trifecta with the earned media, it totally makes you stand out and it, it totally just boosts your credibility even more. And I think it's important for people to understand that if you're trying to gain attention from an audience and you show up as that authority figure on that stream of media that they're always going to for information anyways, that instantly gives you credibility. Absolutely. Yeah. I know something that I say usually is if you go to a live event, you're going to look very differently at the person who's on stage versus the person who's sitting beside you. So you want to show up as that person on whatever proverbial stage in front of your client. Mm -hmm. And something else to add on to that is your clients are going to Google you. You know, I remember sharing with the mastermind members, like I rarely buy something without looking it up first. I don't know if you watch Masters of None. There's that great episode where they want to go for tacos and they spend so long looking at Yelp and Google reviews. The place is closed by the time they go. But we have to remember that our clients are doing us, that with us as well. So it's great to show up on your own social profiles, but how much more does it amplify you and how much more does it edify you when they see you featured on different outlets that they already hold in high regard? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How long does it typically usually take someone in order to get a feature or to get published or the, the publicity? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, I'm sure it varies. Know, I, it does vary. I'm sure when I, you know, when I started working with clients, I think I told them typically between month four and six, we should start seeing something. I know that was true for the agency. Um, but now because of things like uh, guest blog posts, online content turning around as quickly as it does, um, avenues like podcasts that obviously have really quick turnaround time if they want to, the lead time is shorter. So it could be really in as little as six weeks now. Um, something that's great about relationships, like we were talking about, 
bit earlier, is a producer from a national Canadian daytime show. She was looking for chiropractors to feature, and I happened to know essentially the property brothers of chiropractors, identical twins who have a practice together. And, you know, they'd never done media before. And I was like, well, you guys have a great gimmick. You're obviously really good at what you do. And they were able to get on national TV having never been featured anywhere in their lives within a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Relationships are everything. Relationships are everything. But if I could give it a general timeline, I would say probably about six weeks is typically the earliest that you could see yourself out there, specifically because number one, it's really important to know who your ideal client is. And it's really important to know what your messaging is before yeah. you ever approach it. Yes. Again, something I find PR, not I find, PR does need to be very strategic. Some people will get featured for the sake of getting featured. It sounds super cool, but you're running a business. It needs to have an impact on your ROI. It needs to have an impact on your bottom line. So to actually put together a good strategy and then do the outreach so that your PR isn't just vanity, it's actually strategic, can take about six weeks. Mm. And I think six weeks is a a fast turnaround. Like I personally think it's fast. Um, And I love what you said there about understanding what your message is and especially your target market, because the, the content you're putting out, you want it to be a direct reflection of exactly how you make money. And I, I see people do this all the time, even with their social media. It's like, you're talking about powerlifting, but you don't even coach for powerlifting. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it all needs to be in alignment because we need to have, it's really important to have a really clear known for. So let's say someone was referring you for something. What would they say? Because I know a lot of people describe themselves like, well, you know, I do fat loss and muscle sculpting and nutrition and this and that, and it gets muddy and it gets confusing and a confused mind doesn't buy. Um, a story I love to tell is about a running coach that I met a few years ago. And I was at this event, there were a ton of personal trainers. Everyone's like, I'm a personal trainer and I do fat loss and blah, 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 20 things. And she was like, I work with weekend runners, uh, weekend warriors to cut their run and marathon times down by 10 minutes. And I was like, sign me up. I'm in. She was so laser specific that I was able to connect with her known for, as I call it. So it's easy for me to refer her people because I know exactly what she does rather than this like kind of convoluted umbrella of what she could do. Mm -hmm. And I think that all sounds back to what we were talking about earlier about getting really clear on what you believe and, and niching down your market. Yeah. Do you find that there's a lot of imposter syndrome with health and fitness professionals? Yes, so much. Who am I to be featured here? Who am I to say something? Maybe I'll just wait. Maybe I'll get one more degree. And I always try and remind people like you would not have this business, especially an independent business, if you weren't an expert at what you do. So getting that first hit of confidence to do the first media piece can be a little bit challenging. And then typically after the first one, it's a snowball effect from there. And as you see yourself getting featured in more places and you're like, oh my gosh, that is me, your confidence grows. So, um, Waiting on confidence? No, it's all about having the courage to just put it out there. And even for that person who's brand new, I always like to say, awesome. News is all about being new. So you have every right to be featured in the media. Uh, There are some people who are veterans in the market. Awesome. Then you can show, you know, what does the evolution of something look like? What is the season perspective? So there's always a way to angle and spin it so that it's in your favor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think imposter syndrome, it's nothing, I haven't talked about it on this podcast before, but I've heard other people talk about it. And it's something that never really goes away as a business owner in general. Like you never feel like, oh, I'm the expert and I know everything now, or I'm at the top of my game. So it's really just putting in the action and throwing yourself out there before you actually feel ready. Yeah. And especially because, you know, if you're running, you know, okay, we were talking earlier that we're both big believers in personal development and evolution. 
that should mean you're always aspiring for something or working towards something that you haven't done before. So it's always new and uncomfortable, really. It's only when you stay in the same place. Are you going to be like, yeah, I'm totally an expert and I rock at this because you've been doing the same thing for probably too long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's something that you've done this year to step out of your comfort zone? Ooh, that's a great question. What have I done this year to get out of my comfort zone? I stretched and okay, it's funny. So Sarah and I are on video right now. I stretched and moved into a bigger place because I want to play a bigger game. Mm -hmm. So I've been living in the same condo in downtown Toronto for about seven, eight years. Loved it. Have the best neighbors and everything. A condo was going up next door, but the rent was safe. And I was like, you know what? I would rather not stare at a cement brick anymore. So now I'm on my waterfront condo, staring at the lake, looking at Porter Airport. Is it a stretch for me? Absolutely. And awesome. Mm. It just forces you to up-level more in your business, right? Absolutely. I have no choice. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need a place to live. Seriously, I'm very much looking to fulfilling that stretch. And you know what? I'm going to add on to that, a leadership training that I did this year. That was a big game changer for me in the way that um, I face the world, the attitude that I have, um, the way that I approach situations. Going through the process was a little bit gummy for sure. And when I look at the other side, I'm like, oh my gosh, that really threw me out of my comfort zone to evolve into my next level and bring a, a level of awareness that I didn't have before. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I love personal development. I love coaching. I love mentorships because you always walk away going, hmm, I never thought about it like that before, or I can never think about it like this way again because of that. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. So it's all so eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I read on your website that you were in teen people at age, <laughs> at age 12. I was. What got you into teen people? Um, that was when I first hit the media bug. Uh, I remember they had a letters to the editor section at the front. So I wrote a letter to the editor and then I had the subscription and I think it was Jonathan Taylor Thomas on the cover from Home Improvement, if I oh remember God. correctly. Heartthrob. And it was <laughs> total heartthrob. And it was so cool to open the magazine and look on the inside and see the words that I'd written and see my name in there. And that was definitely the defining moment for me that I was like, I want to do this for a living. But I knew, like, you know, I've worked inside of magazines before, but it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And this angle of publicity totally is that. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I read that. I'm like, teen people, I remember that magazine. <laughs> yeah, I used to have like the little poster boards of all the heartthrobs up in my bedroom. I think we all did. <laughs> I was big into like, uh, yeah, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was like a big one for me. Oh my God. And then Devin Sawa, remember him? Yeah. Oh God, we're dating ourselves now. <laughs> Essentially, yes. Yeah. So let's talk about your business a little bit because, you know, you've come away from an agency and you're building um, your own brand now. What was that like for you with breaking away and, and going totally independent? Yeah. You know what? So I used to have a PR agency and it was safer because in the agency, I literally had never looked for a client before. People would just, I, you know, I had some really good SEO on my site. So as soon as you looked up fitness PR, health PR, wellness PR, I would be one of the first results. So I always had an influx of clients coming towards me, which was really great. It was really comfortable. It was really stable. And then moving from an agency model into a coaching model, where now I show people how to do it themselves. You know, it's been interesting growing a business in the online space where now I really do need to carve out my niche. I really do need to amplify my own voice and message. So 
what's been interesting in this two-year journey is that I've had to do a lot for myself, what I've always done for my clients, and I was forgetting to do for myself. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. I even, you know, the past couple of years when I've moved into business coaching, it's funny because I am, and I was always good at business. I was always good at marketing, but I'm actually more diligent about it now that I'm coaching on it. So I find that we actually, we grow and evolve ourselves depending on what we are actually teaching. It's so funny because I know for a little while I was actually doing a little bit of business coaching with some clients and I started to stray that way. And I was like, you know what? I can do that avenue. I've worked with some amazing coaches and mentors um, and I love doing PR. So I started getting distracted for a little while, but now I've come right back into what really aligns for me. Mm -hmm. So again, you're allowed to evolve. I kind of started going one way and I was like, no, no, no I want to go back to the original. Mm -hmm. So when you start working with a client, what's the first step that you go through with them? Is it identifying their need and their market? Um, oh, okay. So typically I take people through what I call my five P formula for positioning, publicity, and profit. So to be true to that model, the first thing I have them do is pick their perfect client. I want them to know exactly who do you want to speak to and what is the struggle that they're having? What are the fears, the frustrations, the wants, and the aspirations? Because when you understand those things, then you can talk directly to them in a way that they're like, oh my God, it's like Sarah's totally in my head. So I like to take them through an exercise called copy stalking, where I have them think, okay, this is who my ideal client is. And they go into Facebook groups and just copy and paste the different concerns that are coming up amongst this target market, because that informs your content. That informs the copy for your sales and your marketing pages. Like rather than you having to think and come up with what it is yourself, they're telling you. So take it. So yeah, the first thing, and also to, you know, you can be one of those brands that can work with anyone, like kind of like a Tony Robbins. He has that overall umbrella of performance coaching. Um, I really like to nail it down into the niche a lot more, even with someone, for example, I was talking to someone yesterday who works with moms and I was like, okay, are these moms of first time babies or moms of like, they, they're on their third child because they're having very different experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, one is seasoned, one is kind of freaked out and doesn't know what happens next. And that informs the copy, that informs the language. So to be able to really attract that magnetic client, you need to talk specifically to them, which means you need to know who they are. Mm -hmm. And then from there, do you go into figuring out what the media outlets would be in order to get the content out? Well, this, okay. So why don't I go through the five pieces? Yeah, five let's do it. It'll illustrate that process. So the first P in the five P formula for positioning, publicity, and profit was to pick your perfect client. The second P that I have them go through is to position themselves as a solution. So now that you know what your clients wake up in the middle of the night moment is, how do you repivot what you do and position it in a way that answers that problem for them? So an example I can share is I was working with a VIP day client and she had a program called Happy Healthy Hormones and it wasn't selling. And I was like, yeah, because nobody wakes up in the middle of the night worrying about having happy, healthy hormones. Only people who think about that are nutritionists or people who are sick. So, you know, we started thinking about what are the other challenges your client has. And we decided, you know, she's someone in her 30s who her body isn't moving and performing the way it used to in their 20s. So we refocused the program and repositioned it around the concept of love your body into your 30s. Now, with that work, she can still help them have happy, healthy hormones, except no one was taking their credit cards out for that. Mm, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, I do. I talk about this a lot with even like social media coaching, the content you're putting out there, if you're not seen as the solution to the problems that they're identifying with every single day, it's really hard for them to take out their credit card and pay you for that solution. 
Exactly. As entrepreneurs, we get paid to solve problems. So when our client tells us we have a problem, then let's make sure we show up as a solution to that problem, not what we think it could be. Mm. And I think like health and fitness professionals, we can sometimes get caught up in, and this happened with me when I went back to school for holistic nutrition, I started geeking out over talking about like anxiety and like digestion and all this stuff. When I was like a body transformation coach and my brand got really strayed for a little while because I was talking about, um, uh, arthritis at one point. I was just like, cause I was geeking out over all this information that I was learning. <laughs> and I was like, okay, no, no, Sarah, bring it back, bring it back. <laughs> cause I realized like lead stopped coming in. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and you had this like a little bit of a panic moment. And it's interesting. Like you need to be self-aware as to what does your ideal client need to hear from you, see from you every single day in order to position you as a solution to their problem. And that, that builds that trust and that credibility with them. So I love, love, love that you do that. Awesome. Yeah, no, you're on the money with that one. So that's totally on point. So the third P in the process is to pick your platforms. So it's like we were talking about earlier. Now that you know who your ideal client is, where are they hanging out? If it's a mom, it could be a parenting or family publication. Um, If you work with, you know, bikini competitors, for example, you want to get into muscle and fitness hers or something like that. So maybe if it's somebody who is a, maybe your client is a commuter, do you want to be on podcasts? So something else that I know I shared with your mastermind is, you know, the importance of having a healthy media mix because people typically consume information three different ways. And that's watching, that's listening, that's reading. So it's really great to be featured on a way that they can see you, whether that's television, Facebook lives, YouTube, um, so they can read what your content. So maybe you're writing for a website, maybe you're doing a guest blog post with an opt-in at the bottom so you can grow your email list, or maybe they want to hear you on a podcast. So you want to be able to touch your client in different ways to really create a buzz around what you're doing. You want them to hear about you more than once. So the third P is to pick your platforms. Uh, The fourth P in the formula, and this is where I spend the most time with my clients, is pitching for publicity. So now that you know where you want to get featured, the message that's going to resonate with your client, how do you find the right avenue? How do you find the right contacts to pitch a story to? How do you pitch a story in a way that's not self-serving? Like I have this business and I'm launching this. They don't care. They don't want to give you a free ad. How can you show up in a way that actually really contributes value for them? Um, And also, how can you be timely? You can have a really good idea, but they can say, that's great. We could talk about that in two months. You want to come up with a pitch that's going to make them want to write about you in the next little bit so it supports whatever you're working on in your business. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I'll speed through the last P that is publicity for profit. So I just hear from too many people who are like, I got featured in people magazine. I was in oxygen. I was in fitness. And I'm like, great. What did that do for your business? Absolutely nothing. No, like we, we run companies. Like we're not just personal trainers or group fitness instructors. We are entrepreneurs. We are business owners. So the publicity that we're doing need to have an ROI. Mm-hmm. And how do you measure that ROI then? Um, that can come in a few different ways. Some things that we can do with, you know, if you're get getting featured online, you can check your Google Analytics to see what that kind of spike is. When I think about clients, Cassie, she wanted to really get featured on self.com. So we worked together to, you know, eventually, you know, a few months after pitching a few different story ideas, they said yes. So she got featured on menshealth.com on January 1st of 2018. She got onto self.com on January 2nd, 2018. And by the end of the day on January 22nd, she had tripled all of her January 2017 income. So that's really the power of getting seen in that kind of an explosive way, because she can very directly attribute that income to those fees. Mm. So there are a few different ways that we can track it. Mm. Do you recommend uh, piggybacking onto media so that there is an explosion of media at one time? 
absolutely. Especially if you're launching, like I always think of it in the example, I constantly use is Marie Forleo B-School. Uh, so for those of you who are on online business, every March, Marie launches B-School and all of a sudden you can't stop hearing about it everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. Her affiliates are promoting it all over the place. It's also kind of like, you know, when a movie comes out in theaters, you don't just read about it once. You're hearing about it. You're seeing it on televisions and magazines. It's newspapers. So especially when you have a launch, you want to build that buzz around whatever you're creating because once everyone hears about you so much, eventually they're going to be like, okay, can't stop hearing about it. What is this thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that that's really key because even if we look at, you know, those of you listening here, like your buying power or what makes you actually do something, um, you know, like seeing a movie trailer and, you know, you see it on a YouTube ad that pops up, you see it on TV, you hear it on the radio, you're like, oh God, okay, I got to go see this thing. So when it comes to business and getting people into your programs or walking into the door of your facility, people need multiple, multiple touch points. And I think I heard one time that just because social media is so big and everybody has a brand now, the touch points of, of someone actually buying into your business has gotten even larger. Yeah. You know, I haven't heard that yet, but I absolutely believe that that's totally true. Cause I remember the number that I always learned in school was seven. Mm-hmm. I heard, seven ten, yeah, points. I heard 10 this year. So yeah, that would make total sense because we have so much content all over the place coming at us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's great if we can uh, dive in on those three streams, you know, obviously get in the paid and get into the earned and then uh, get into the owned content. That's great. Yeah. Cause everything has its, you know, everything plays together really nicely with, um, owned media. You can search people by hashtags. You can connect with them personally. Earned media is a really a big amplifier and a credibility builder. Paid allows you to be very laser in who you're reaching out to. So I think the three of them really can play together very nicely. Um, it's really a lot of a matter of doing the right things at the right stage of your business because there's so many people who I hear of who've never launched anything who have zero audience. They're like, I'm going to spend $100 on Facebook ads and grow a six-figure business. And I'm like, that's not how that's going to work at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of a misconception of what an online business is or what it really takes to build up that that's a conversation for another day. (laughs) Do you feel that print media is dying? Print media has gotten really different. I remember when I was working at that PR agency in about 2007, if we got an online feature, the client was like, eh, it's okay. But, um, they really wanted the print. I think with print media now in 2018, there's something very satisfying and cool about just being in a hard copy. There really is. Um, The tangible evidence in your hand feels awesome. And then I always think about the longevity of print because, you know, you go to your dentist or your doctor's office, there are a bunch of magazines sitting there. So it does. And print, last I heard, it actually touches about seven sets of hands. So it does one magazine, one physical copy will hit about seven people. So it does still have a pretty big circulation. However, especially with the rise of online business and because, you know, the web is infinite, there's space for so much content as opposed to a magazine that only has so many pages in it. When you're launching an online business, it's actually probably much more valuable to be seen online because then you can have a click, a click a link to your blog post. Then you could click a link to your social media and now, you know, bringing paid into it. If you have a Facebook pixel on there, now you have someone that you can track and promote to. So especially for online businesses, getting online is really it. Mm -hmm. And even if they have a social media content uh, stream, then they shout you out. It links back to you. I find like the interwebs, it all just kind of spiders out. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure with um, Cassie, the client I mentioned earlier, who's on men's health and self, um, I'm fairly certain that self did an Instagram post about her article that mentioned her on the actual post. It had a link in bio. So now people are actually able to start following her on social media again. So if your focus is on growing your social media, you know, I'm I'm really curious to actually just open up on Instagram right now. How many followers does self have? Yeah, because when they post her, obviously it doesn't necessarily get in front of everybody. But how huge would that be for her to get in front of their audience? Yeah. So and if self they... has 643,000 followers. That's a good shout out network. In front of like 1% of them. That's great. Yeah. And a, a really good point that you made with our mentorship group as well is if you have an online business or you're looking to get people through online sources, it's great to get into the big online blogs or the big online magazines. Absolutely. And again, because there's so much content that they want to fill there, there's a bigger opportunity to get in now more than ever. Yeah. I think that's such a good point too. A lot of people can stay in maybe that imposter syndrome, think like, who am I? Meanwhile, these businesses need content. Like that's their biggest problem every single month is we got articles to put out. We got stuff we need to push out to our audience. So are they always looking for content and they're looking for people to be uh, pitched to? They're always looking for value. Um, when I think about, okay, so again, dating myself back in about 10 years ago, newsrooms were twice as big and there was probably half the content that needed to be created because online wasn't what it is today. They didn't have Instagram, Facebook groups and all that stuff to follow. So now you have fewer, fewer people responsible for far more output. So the most amount of help that you can offer them they're going to be good with that as long as it's content that's really re- relevant for their audience. It's not a big pitch fest. It's not a self-serving ad. It's actually really valuable. And of course, you know, our job is to do it in a way that's strategic, that it funnels back into our own businesses for us. Right, right. Where are you seeing the podcast world go? I'm just curious as a, <laughs> we're on podcasting now. I think I might be honestly, statistically, it's obviously growing. That can't be argued. Um, but I think it's going off totally on the up and up. Like I'm personally a podcast junkie. I probably at my height was listening to six episodes of shows a day. So because we're commuting, because we're working out, we have this content that's readily available to us. And it's a really great way to, you know, people love to multitask. Is there a case for multitasking? Maybe not, but it's a great, you know, if you're on a, on a treadmill, why not be listening to something that's going to help you learn? So I find definitely amongst, and again, it could be biased based on my own experience, but for those of us who are really committed to growth in all areas of our lives, business, relationship, personal podcasting is just the best way to get information. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can say I'm a podcast junkie as well too. If I'm putting on makeup, I mean, I love personal development. Um, I love buying books, but I find it hard to get through a book because I just don't have a ton of time to sit down. But I think the multitasking, which is what a lot of people do, you know, driving on the treadmill, putting your makeup on cooking dinner. It's really easy just to intake some information and get it in smaller clips as opposed to being committed to taking in, you know, a huge audiobook or, um, you know, reading a book. Absolutely. Like even, um, you know, we're talking about me just moving into a new condo. My kitchen is now like my, when I'm in the kitchen, my back's to the television. So I can't really like watch something while I'm making food, but I can definitely have a a Bluetooth speaker and be listening to content so I can keep doing what I'm doing and not need to be committed to looking in a certain area. So, you know, I guess I'm someone who definitely learns by listening for the most part, but yeah, podcasts are so huge for me. 
Mm-hmm. Now you're someone who's, you, you speak really well. You're really great with your language. You know, you do speaking events. You were down at, um, Fitposium. How long have you been speaking for? <laughs> My mom made me start doing debating in high school. <laughs> And we always joke about that now. I'm like, I don't want to do that nerdy thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely started speaking when I was in high school a lot more. I uh, came in top 10 in the full first Candace debating tournament, just brushing my shoulder off there. Um, no, I've really gotten into speaking, I'd say, probably heavily in the last two years or so. Someone I've worked with is Lisa Sasevich. I did her speech to sell boot camp. And ever since that, I've wanted, I just love getting on stages. I love sharing information. I think especially when we have our own expertise and there's an audience that's hungry for that information, whether we enjoy it or not, it's actually really our responsibility to get it out there in a bigger way because we're helping people with this information. Mm-hmm. I think speaking is so great to push your brand as well. And like what you're saying, you're, you know, you're either sitting in the audience or you're standing on the stage and those who are the influencers are the ones speaking on the stage. So how has speaking really helped you from an individual brand coming away from the agency now? Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I can definitely share speaking at symposium two or three weekends ago was a game changer for my business. Like I have never had a financial weekend like that in my life. And I look forward to more of them, but your conversions really increase when you're speaking because you are seen as an authority and because you're connecting as a really hot lead to people. So I remember my business coach had said to me, if you're a really good speaker, you can probably convert 20% of the room. And if you're a meth speaker, you can probably convert about 12% of the room. And when you look at your conversion with your email list, which is around one to 2%, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what, why don't I speak a little bit more? Yeah. So it was really good to have an opportunity to go and deliver a 45 minute presentation. And then I wasn't even pitching myself to clients because when I, when I speak, something that's really important to me is not to go up there and think about how can I make a sale? It's about how can I give these people something, whether they decide to work with me or not, something they can actually use that makes a difference for them. That in turn has people come to me and be like, oh my God, I love that content. I want to know how to work further with you. So it's great because then I'm not pushing all the time. I'm actually attracting people who see the value in what I want to do and take that next step. So I can definitely share that for 2019, speaking is going to be the biggest focus in my business. And I'm definitely sitting right now on the idea of this workshop that I want to attend that costs so much money, but I think it can make a huge difference for me. So, you know, here goes the personal investment one more time. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you're upgrading your skills and it's making you better and like what you said there, it's an investment, um, the ROI there will come back. Oh, for sure. And one thing I've learned over the last two years is you have to constantly reinvest in yourself. It is scary, but I mean, I personally would never hire a business coach who didn't have their own business coach. It's so important for us to keep learning and so we can keep escalating. So yeah, I invest in my business all the time and I'm always, it's always interesting to talk to the people who just want to learn off of free webinars and they don't want to make that next step. It's like, okay, so how's your business doing? And there's a pretty common response, you know, investing helps or helps you learn things that you wouldn't have known otherwise. You collapse time, you get the information, you skip the mistakes. So I will always reinvest, reinvest, reinvest. And I love that. Actually, I remember you were talking about that on an episode of the podcast, maybe four or five ago, where you were talking about how you and Joe continually reinvest in the businesses. I think that's something you've gotten from Craig. 
Yeah. Um, we, this is the first year I've ever spent this much amount of money on personal development and coaches and sitting in on masterminds. We're going to be with Pat Rigsby this weekend coming up. Yeah. So we're going down to Kentucky on Sunday. Um, but, it, and it's, we've come back and it's just been like flowing in with new clients or new ideas or saving us so much more time. So the return on everything we have invested has always come back tenfold. And I used to be when I started my business, I used to think I could do it all. Like I'm a pretty resourceful person. I will literally like Google or YouTube anything and figure it out. But it like, I wish I invested my, in my business sooner because in 2014, when I was learning about funnels and eBooks and email marketing, I was learning it all on my own. And then it wasn't till like 2016, when I actually started investing in some courses and some coaches that it just expedited everything. And I was like, Oh my God, I so wish I did this sooner. And, you know, you make such a good point that, and especially as health coaches and trainers, if you want people to invest into you, the, and I really believe it's an energetic universal law that you have to be investing into yourself if you want people to invest into you. That was absolutely what was going through my mind. And I was about to say, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, I really, really want to thank you for your time. I know you listen to this show, so there is one last question that I want to ask you. Um, before we get to that, where can we creep you, find you, learn everything about Lisa? I love that you say creep. So everything we all do that it. We, we creep, right? We totally do. It's funny because I always tell my clients or when I'm speaking, I'm like, I'm such a good creeper. I mean, sleuther. When I'm speaking professionally, the term sleuthing sounds sleuther. so much better. Never heard that one. <laughs> Right. So everything about me is available at Lisa Simone Richards for the most part. Um, I tend to hang out the most on Facebook. So my Facebook group is um, facebook.com slash groups, get seen, get clients, get paid. Cause I think we all want to do those three things. Mm, get seen, get clients, get paid. <laughs> Time's 10. <Amazing>. Absolutely. <laughs> and then one more thing I'd love to share with your Absolutely, listeners. Yeah. Um, for those people who want to start amplifying their voice, getting featured in more places, you know, we were talking about how podcasts are such a valuable way to do that. So on my website at, um, actually I'll create a special URL for this one. So at lisasimonerichards.com slash fulfillment, that's where there's access to my free five-day challenge, the Pitch the Podcast Challenge, which teaches you how to find the right shows, the host, how to come up with a compelling pitch, do a follow-up, so that way you can start amplifying the audience of or amplifying your message and leveraging the audience of others. Mm-hmm. I love that too. And especially as myself, uh, someone myself who's a podcast host and I do guest interviews every week, you know, we're always looking for guests to come on. Yeah. Amazing. So as, as we wrap this up, what does fulfillment mean to you? Mm, honestly, fulfillment, a lot of it is synonymous with freedom. So for me to feel fulfilled, I want to have the freedom to do what I want to do, go where I want to go, spend time with the people that I want to be with, really make the impact that I want to. So having the freedom, the flexibility, and the ability to do those things, that is 100% what feeds into my own fulfillment. Mm, I love that. I can totally agree with that too. I hate feeling constructed with my time or a super packed schedule that I don't have control over. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Lisa. This has been a world of knowledge. And uh, I honestly urge everybody to go creep, Lisa, because if you're looking to amplify your brand, if you're looking to really 10x your business going into 2019, getting in some earned media will definitely, definitely do that for you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you, Sarah. It's been so much fun to chat with you today. 
Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Honestly, shows and podcasts like this are not possible without you. So I have so much gratitude for my listeners. You freaking rock. If you want to find me over on Instagram, I am sarah.fennel. Tag me in a post. Let me know what your favorite episode is. Hit me up with a DM. I will always write you back. Shows like this are not possible without ratings and reviews. So if you feel so moved, please write me an honest comment, an honest review, and let us know what you think of the show. 